it's great. It starts with a burp quick. Get the snakes off this plane. Lenny Bruce was overrated. Six o'clock TV time. Don't forget to make it. Don't forget to make it rhyme. Session burn. Lock him in an ivory tower. Burning books. Foot loose. Mom top cocoa pops. Something something Bernstein. Lenny Bruce and Lester Bang. America patriotic. Freedom ain't free. Cake. Free yeah, jelly beans. Karate chops across the neck. Right. Right? Isn't that how it goes? <laughs> it's the, it's end the end of the world. It's the end. We didn't start the fire. Einstein no, that one. I know Brooklyn, that one. Brooklyn's got a winning team. Davy Crockett, Peter Pan. Ayatollahs in Iran, Russians in Afghanistan, Wheel of Fortune, <laughs> Sally Ride, Heavy Metal, Suicide, Lord, AIDS, Crack, Hypodermic on the America, show. Patriotics, Mountaintops, Cocoa Pops. We didn't start to fire. It was always burning since I blurby blurbing. Um, I've always blurbed it. Um, <laughs> hey, everybody. Welcome to the Almost Good Podcast. Uh, this is the podcast where we talk about movies and also coronavirus. So, hey, Dave. How's it going? Hey, COVID-19. Let's get it right. All, All right. right. Yeah, COVID-19. Right on, dude. Yeah, so have you caught it yet, Dave? No, I am still healthy, even though um, some friends from my high school have me number one on their Deadpool. They, it's pretty grim on my my email threads with people from high school. They're like these, they're like high school dudes turned lawyers, and they're just sort of cruel people. Yeah. <laughs> so, so their email is like dark. So they're they're actually betting on who dies first, and they've got me at the top. And they uh, they reassessed it because I had that prepper bag that I got. Uh-huh. But but then because I emailed them that I was swimming, they said because I was swimming in a public pool, I was back to number one on the Deadpool. They actually don't call it a Deadpool, though. They call it a Death Watch. Death and Watch. I, okay. there seems to be real money riding on it. I don't know. I It's always been, you, you know, the people you still talk to from high school, it's always pretty, it's always pretty grim. It's always pretty mm-hmm. severe. Mm-hmm, yep. mm-hmm. Right, right. A lot of my friends that I went to high school with are currently thinking about becoming farmers and, you know, moving out to the middle of the woods. So I don't know. I think my particular pool of uh, buddies might not be quite as heartless as yours. You're not betting on your death? <laughs> no, no. Although I did go to the gym this morning. So, I mean, who knows? But it seemed pretty packed. I don't, I don't know. I, I've been noticing a lot online. I've been noticing this thing online a lot. A lot of this, uh, it it was almost like it was this crisis that seemed to almost be on the cusp of bringing people together. And then social media realized that you can shame people for for something about it. And they just took a hard right into the the, the skull thing. Skulls love it. Um, Yeah, I think this is going to be great because this podcast will be full of misinformation. But I think... You can't get it from sweat. I think that it doesn't live in sweat. Oh. I might have. Well, I was Googling, like, is it safe to swim in a pool? And it said, this is really skeevy. It said, uh, it, it's okay in a pool because it won't unenvelope the virus. So I almost died when I heard the word enveloped virus. Gross. So what <laughs> but, does it then? So, I mean, obviously a cough. Well, I'm just picturing little envelopes bobbing around in the water with something bad in them that won't open in sweat or water. Right. But it has it has to like I don't know. You know, this is where we 
you know, don't take our advice, people. But yeah. I think if someone coughs in your face, it's kind of like that little those little spores in uh, Alien Covenant where they mm. they kind of like they kind of just float in there, then they unenvelope, and right. then they find then they find a vein. Oh, so they have to make it into your system first before they can unenvelope. I think, but then that makes me think: Why wouldn't these little envelopes bobbing in the water, you know, go into my mouth? Because I'm always find myself drinking pool water, you know, yeah. not on purpose, but you know, you can't really it help happens. it. Yeah, right. It happens. So I don't know, but it said, uh, you know, the CDC said pools it won't survive. I don't know if the chlorine, if it's a maintained pool. So I was feeling pretty good about it, but then um, they didn't have the heat on, and all the lights are off in the offices here. But the pool was open. <laughs> but the <laughs> but the dude was wearing blue jeans and a coat and just oh, kind of danger, danger alert, danger alert. <laughs> yeah, so I don't think he would have jumped in. But nobody else was in. And it was kind of raining a little bit, and I thought, okay, this is this seems safe. No one else is swimming. But then I jumped in, and there, there's usually a little bit of heated water, and it was <laughs> just bone cold. Right. So I'm thinking, is that a properly maintained pool when, you know, all the switches are off and everything powers down <laughs> and, and I come by like a fucking stray cat and jump in the water? Right, like, I don't right. know if that's so I'm starting. To, I think they're going to close it any day. Like, I'm going to keep swimming as long as I can because it's kind of my physical therapy, not just so I can walk the beach. Mm-hmm. So once it stops, I'm going to start, you know, getting in more and more back pain and hunching over like Quasimodo. So. Oh, that sucks. Yeah, I'm really hoping they don't close the gym down, dude. That's again, that's not really my physical therapy. Like you need the pool more than I need the the planet, but um <laughs> but it's still it's still kind of like it's like my mental therapy. So, I mean, I've I've gone four or five days cuz you know, every once in a while you're supposed to rest. Hold on, I'm making I'm on wait a second. I'm I'm on Etsy. I'm making a t-shirt that says I need the pool more than you need the planet. <laughs> cuz that's my motto. <laughs> <laughs> yeah dude um well we'll but, just have to switch to it's gonna be prison workouts we're gonna be like how can you work out in a small confined space right. you, you know, have to but, do the bronson workout basically there's i think just push-ups yeah i think I, mean, you can't, I think he got that big doing like a thousand push-ups a day or something that's all you need you know push-ups sit-ups chin-ups the pool was always a luxury as we pointed out last show prisons don't have pools for a reason um Although it would be hilarious if they because did. Because everybody would pee in the pool? I think, can you imagine a, a prison with a pool? Like, uh, <laughs> like they all got, go out to the yard, you know, and they're all like, you know, staking out their territory. But instead, they're just kind of bobbing in the water, glaring at each other. Like, like, fucking, like fucking Cheerios. Like, how do you, how do you maintain your, your grip on your gang if everybody's like having a fun time in a pool? If you're like, if you're like, you know cockfighting what do you call it not cockfighting what is it called when you uh when somebody when you, gets is it you, chick, chicken fighting is it a when chicken you, fight when you smack the ends of your dick together yeah it's that's cockfighting no i mean when somebody is on someone else's shoulders and they put their dick uh, on their head when you're in the pool you know oh like, that's uh wait there is a name for that um yeah. there's a hold on i'm gonna i'm gonna ask uh i'm gonna ask google hey, hey amy what? what do you call it when you are in a pool and you put people on shoulders and then you like fight each other chicken chicken fight chicken fighting chicken fights i it called it not, cock fighting he called it cock fighting it's not <laughs> what no yeah. yeah that's filthy that's not it <laughs> sorry yeah, play, play chicken there would sorry. be a lot of chicken fights prison would have a lot of chicken fights you're right 
So how's uh how's your how's where you live handling the um, virus you know, apocalypse? Every, we're in the hot zone. You know, we're in California, so we have more than usual uh, cases. We have the except the closest one to us is that poor incubating Princess Cruise Line that they docked in Oakland. Yeah, they kind of just let those let those guys marinate. Yeah, it's is that the it's definitely you know it's definitely incubating more and more cases. There's a website where you can watch the numbers ramp up, and uh, gonna make a great movie one day. Yeah, well, I mean, it already kind of did. The movie Contagion was pretty damn close, but yeah. it was, of course, the movie Contagion has this you know um, uh, the the president in that is not nearly as incompetent or hands-off as this guy so are you talking about trump you talking about daddy trump i'm talking about how you know nothing really there was all the things that could have headed off a lot of this closure didn't happen Mm -hmm. there was a lot of denial my my main thing with him was i mean we never we rarely talk about trump on here because it's all so obvious but when he's doing his press conference the other day and he said uh um and somebody said, well, are you going to get tested? We got all these pictures of you shaking hands with all these people that are infected. He's like, well, I haven't gotten tested. I have no symptoms. And then he tweeted later and said, I'm going to get tested because uh, the press conference made me think I should get tested. And then within like eight hours, it said tested negative. And like right. bullshit detectors just fucking going haywire. First of all, right. he got tested. Like, and, and the fact that he would be so stupid to lie about it, like, of course you would test the president if he had the virus, but instead he's got a, he's backed himself into a corner by trying to be a tough guy. Like you don't need to get tested. Like mm-hmm. he's trying to maintain his whole, you know, his whole game is it's not as bad. So with him, it's like, I, you don't need to get tested. I didn't get tested, but of course he got tested and probably does daily. You'd think like. Wouldn't you think that's a good idea to test a president for the virus daily? But then yeah. he's got – but then what's he going to do? You know, he's got to say, well, I'm afraid enough to get it tested, but you don't need it. So he's he was in a corner where he couldn't answer it, and now he has to catch up with the truth, which is, of course, he was tested, and it probably – they got a negative result, you know, 72 hours ago or right, you know, right. a week a week ago. So it's just this, this fucking – Also, by the way, he might not be negative. I mean, oh, that's you, another possibility. You would, you would sure, say yeah. that, but I mean, it's a possibility that he's not negative, right? So it's just nothing but confusion and disinformation. He says, "Well, I'm negative," and then he's shaking hands up there, and then so he's not going to self quarantine. But meanwhile, the CDC is, is saying you won't show symptoms sometimes, so self quarantine if, if, even if you just came in contact with somebody. So we're here. We have a guy not doing what his own, his own in quotes, CDC is saying to do. So it's just nonstop, not you know, no trust in anything that's happened, no trust in any information. Right. Um, it's just fucking ridiculous. But. Well, because I was thinking about it, and I'm definitely not an alarmist. I have spent the past week basically calming my coworkers down because I've seen them devolve into just complete insanity, right? Of just refreshing the the Reddit. So you're the, the you're, you're Kirsten Dunst. You're Kirsten Dunst in melancholia. You're the that's you started right. out you started out as a fuck up. And then a right. crisis occurred. And hey, now wait, what? And, sorry. And now, <laughs> and, now, and now you're the one who's asked to talk her through, you know, uh, exactly. the end of the world. Exactly. Well, I've been I've been living with the end of the world since I was about 16. So this is just <laughs> just welcome to my world, folks. But but no. So I'm trying to calm them down, and 
the way that I work, it works in my mind is that I just I look at the numbers and I think like, okay, that's pretty low. I understand the danger is in it, you know, getting larger than that. Um, and also the danger is in the fact that like not a whole bunch of people have actually been tested, so the numbers are sort of right. hard to clearly. Down. I mean, he's probably the most uninspiring thing that a president has ever said is when he's like, I'm not going to bring that cruise ship onto the onto our homeland because then it'll make the numbers go up. <laughs> like, I think yeah. that just that just sums it up. So the fact right. that to not test people to keep the number artificially low, again, not inspiring a whole lot of truth. But as you know, I bought a lot of gear before any of this happened. This was yeah. actually uh, we're a little earth- with this shit. I got a I got a bug out bag over here. Um, and it's uh, it was basically because of all the earthquakes. We kept getting little minor earthquakes. And I thought, you know, if, if we ever needed to bail on this place or it doesn't make a lot of sense. But once I went down the rabbit hole of Googling all this stuff, mm-hmm. I'm like, I want to put a bag together where in my mind, you know, I'm heading out the front door. I grab it on the way out the door and then we can, you know, in theory, stay alive in the contents of the bag for a week. That was my goal. Right. Um, so, you know, if you got a second, I'd love to share some of the contents of my bag with you. Oh, please do. Yeah. Oh, sweet. Well, let me just um, – first, if you can hear this. You hear this right here? This – that? Velcro, that, baby. Well, that's a, that's a Velcro American flag, which I guess signals – <laughs> I guess it, it's, it signals – you notice I, I removed that when I took a picture of it and sent it to you. Yeah, I removed the flag, but sometimes it's on there because it sends a signal to the hordes that, you know, I may be some sort of – a wall, military. Hey, listen, not, listen, listen, listen. You, you know, you know, it's corny, but I mean, the the Punisher skull with the American flag, even though it's dorky, it sends a message. It's that's you, what it is. I think you still know that the guy in that truck is strapped. You know, yeah, it's like, like that's the thing. I don't have I don't have a gun. I have a series of crowbars, as I've explained before, and I will use my crowbars, but I don't have a gun. And but I kind of want people to think I do if it's the end of the world. And I was looking at some of these bags, and some of them are real stylish, and they have, um, you know, they look kind of cool. They look kind of like these these fucking dot com idiots in their in their fucking stylish backpacks. Some of them, the Red Cross one actually says Red Cross on it. And I was thinking, I don't want any of that shit. First of all, I don't want to signal to anyone that I have this stuff because that's you know people are gonna want it if they're right. all. Right. And also, I don't. So I grabbed the the uh, it's like the beige military looking one with the mm-hmm. with the flag on it um and then here's this you're gonna laugh about this so it, i got a series of stuff with the bag but then i've some of it was really shitty because they're basically selling the bag and like a half-ass kit mm-hmm. so i've I had to upgrade the 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 guts of it right okay. um so it came with this really crappy compass and i thought you know i've always wanted a nice compass so this is a good time to get a really nice compass. And of course, Amy is like, "When would we ever not know what direction we are going?" Oh no, no, no! That's that's not a that's a bad question though. That that re- I've I've gotten lost that way before. In all seriousness, well, that's if so. we're in the woods. Like I assume that, well, you know, the roads you'd probably be able to figure it out. But anyway, so I get a new compass. This is where you're gonna crack up. So I get a new compass, and it comes in its own little bag, and it's got like a little. Little uh, little bubble on it where you can you have to be level, you know, and you yeah, can figure yeah. out the. There's like a little, I don't know what the fuck it does actually. There's a lot of instruction. It's pretty heavy, um, but it came in this little bag, and the bag was cool, except the bag, 
uh, it had all these holes in it, like all the corners of this metal compass because it's in the square thing. It torn through the bag. I imagine in some warehouse and some right. faraway land, they're just slowly wearing through these bags. Uh, so I so I got it off eBay. So I sent a message to the guy and I said, um, uh, the bag has holes in it. You know, can you send me a new bag? Thanks. Mm-hmm. And I got back this form letter that said it was all kind of broken English, like. Um, Sorry, we uh, we hear about problem with order. Very concerned. Could you send back, please, return slip? Thank you. I was like, God damn it! If you just would have read the email, we we don't have to talk four times. So I just sent back, read previous email, then respond again. Thanks. Mm -hmm. So then the guy sent back something in Chinese, and I, yeah, and so I thought, what the fuck is this? So I copied and pasted and put it in the browser to see what it was in Chinese, mm-hmm. and it says, dead bitch. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> <woo! laughs> so that escalated that escalated quickly. My my compass purchase is now, I think I'm being threatened by, you know, someone in, in Hong Kong. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was thinking, does that mean, is he saying, like, die bitch, or is he saying, I mean, I what is he so. saying? Yeah, okay, that's that would be I my thought. best guess. Yeah, that's that my thought. best guess. So anyway, that's where I'm at on my my compass. But if I just you know cursory look through the bag, we've got a uh, I've got a flashlight that you never have to ch- uh, put batteries in. It's got a little little crank, a little crank flashlight. So here I'm gonna oh, crank it for you. So it's like, hey, you need some you need some light. Need to go. Oh, oh, it's smooth. You can't even hear it. You hear that? I do. Yeah. So that's it. now it's cranked, and now I hit the button, and it lights up. I actually had two of these, and uh, Amy's grandma was here visiting. And if you come to my house at this point in my life, you're going to see the contents of my bag, basically. I know that right. sounded, sounded a little gross, but you're going to see <laughs> you're gonna get the contents of the bag. But what, what he's saying is you're going you're gonna to see his bug-out <laughs> bag and also his dick. Yeah. You should so, do a little hole in the bug-out bag so you could open it up and be like, take a look in there. When they look in there, it's just your hard dick <laughs> through a hole. <laughs> So I, showed, so I showed it to showed it to her grandma, and she's like, "Oh, that has a great little flashlight. I could use something like that." So then, on the last day she was in town, I like gifted her the fucking flashlight, like like I was giving her the key to the city. I'm like, "Hey, Peggy, here you can have this flashlight." And she, she gives Amy a look like, "What am I gonna do with this flashlight?" I gotta... <laughs> but then, so I used to have two. Is my point. Yeah. So not oh, okay. down to one. I've got a uh, I got a flashlight that you put on your head, you know. I've got, uh, uh, if you go a little, a little deeper into the bag, I'm, I'm, I'm there we go. this is the, I have a first aid kit. Um, and I'm not going to tell you everything that's in the first aid kit, but basically if you have a bullet wound, if you need stitches, I could stitch you up. I've got all sorts of swabs and medicinal, you know, battlefield tourniquets and shit. Mm-hmm. Um, if you ever get attacked, I can do that. I've also got some pills here to um, turn toxic water drinkable. I've got enough oh, to no do. Oh no way! It. Yeah, That's yeah. That's dope. What, what's in the? What, what does the pill actually do? Um, let me let me pull out the pill. Um, That's sick! Get... I didn't know those existed. Well, I you know I assume, like if I drink it, like I assume it works. But then if it if it didn't work and I just sent you know a question, then somebody might say die, bitch. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So. Yeah, when you're when you're dealing with uh when you're dealing with overseas sellers, it can be a little tough. 
It can be a little, you're right, you're right. Um, hold on, where's my, where's your little, uh, no, no. There's my, I got my glow sticks. I've got one, two, three, four, five glow sticks. I've got the uh, emergency shelter tent for two people. Baby's gonna have to sleep outside, I guess. I've got a some thermal blankets. Those uh, you know, those silver blankets. They show those poor kids on the border sleeping uh -huh. in. Right, right, right. Got three of those. I've One got of those some... blankets that you accused me of being in last episode, I believe. <laughs> yes, because all the space blanket. The space blanket. All the crinkle, crinkle, crinkle noises. Um, I've got uh, you know what? I don't know what's what's this pouch. I've got another. I've got a, it's like a series of pouches. Oh, here we go. So here's the. Um, I've got three uh, Bic lighters in a plastic bag. So they're in case you ever need to blaze it in the apocalypse. Exactly. And then b below that, I've got this thing where you can make fire, like a little striking. I'll click. It's like a little I spark, see. little spark. Oh, shoot that's off. tight. I think I want one of these. Like you're kind of convincing me, dude. I like, mean, it's I, so much fun. Like, but, but I got that, and then I thought, why don't I just get a couple lighters, and maybe the apocalypse only lasts three days, right? Um, I've got a wire where you hold the ends of it and you can cut through like a tree with it. It's like a portable saw, but it's just a, a wire with like a sharp um, cord to it. So you, it's kind of like a, oh, if you're going you to strangle you somebody. Do, you can do an audition on, on a tree. Yes, basically. exactly. So I've got that in there. So that's, that's all part of like the little camping pouch. Um, and also in there I have... Uh, like a little that's plot. fucking sick. There's there's like pockets. piano wire that you can saw through a tree with. That just yes. kind of hit me. Oh yeah, that's, that's dope, dude. Yeah, I got that. That's in my little. That's the camping section that I'm in here. Um, and then when you get to the, I'm in the cent, the center of the bag now, and this is where it gets pretty serious. This is where all the food and stuff is. I got three, oh yeah, three face masks. I've got two pairs of goggles like you get at the lab if you had there was chemicals uh -huh. they, yeah, they, yeah. Go, they go over my glasses then i have uh, emergency drinking water it's like this gel shit um lasts for should last about five years that's where most of the weight of the bag is for this year's worth of water i'm sorry not years for water this water lasts a week um but below it is the food bars and that's what lasts five years um but i actually looked into it they last 10 years they only, mm -hmm. but they only taste good for about six years. After that, they taste like shit, but they, they're not going to be a problem to keep eating. Um, and looking at the ingredients on them, they're basically life raft rations. So it's, um, it's food that'll last ten years and enough in here to eat for a week if all food was gone. Actually, you could probably eat these for like three weeks. Um, but yeah, looking at it, it's just a big carb and sugar bomb. Yeah. It's, uh, 18 kind of like in, in 28 Days Later when they're eating Snickers bars. Yes, exactly. Because I, I was looking at it, and I, okay, it's like 18% carbs, 4% fiber, 31 grams of sugar in one Holy of these shit. bars. And uh, it's, it's, got, it's got some iron, it's got some vitamin A, it's, but it's fat, carbs, and sugar. Uh, saturated fats, yeah. So I was thinking, well, why would anybody pound that? But then about a week later, I bought donuts for my class, and I, early in the morning, I ate two donuts, and I didn't even think to eat again until like nine at night. Right. And I thought that's the equivalent. That's the same thing. You might as well just pound donuts if you're on right. a life raft because it keeps your body's like that's all we need. Thank you. Thank you it's, for that. It's yeah, exactly. It's good in uh, 
extreme situations. Um, kind of like again, like with the candy bar. I remember there was once where I uh, I had watched Twenty Eight Days Later, and I thought to myself, "Huh, so you can just survive the apocalypse on candy bars?" And I was like, "I'm about to save kind a of. ton of money. I'm about to save a ton of money." So you kind it, of it lasted. It lasted two days. Lasted two days. And at the beginning of each day, I would just buy a Snickers bar, and I felt like absolute dog shit by the, by the second day. It was bad, dude. That's the downs. That's yeah. That's the downside of the apocalypse. Um, here in this, uh, I got another a, a zipper within a zipper. We've got. Um, oh, this is the uh, this is the morale section of my bag. So, if you're trapped like in the back of a semi for couple weeks for rate because of radiation or something i got a deck of cards and a deck of waterproof cards because uh, a deck of cards you can play all sorts of games and keep your keep your morale up right what about pornography um there is no i have my imagination i don't need any at this point oh. re- regular pornography does nothing at this point as you probably know right right <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> but i'll tell you what i'll tell you what at, at this point it involves this bag yeah, no, 100%, and a hole in the bag, right? Where you're like, it's actually the apocalypse, and some weary traveler comes along and says, sir, may I have some rations from your bag? And you say, absolutely, and you absolutely. open it. And they're like, is that, is, that, is that a beef jerky? And you're like, no, why don't you touch it? Anyway. That's, yeah, you got that's, you had the whole thing mapped out in your head. I could, I could direct these things with my eyes closed, dude. Uh, oh, here's the little. I found the little uh, water pills for you. So they're to answer your question. Um, emergency drinking water germicidal tablets. So I have. I have how many tablets are in here? Fifty tablets, but you have to use two at a time. I don't know why they, they should have made that better. It should have been one big ass tablet. Right. So it's twenty five times that I can de-germicide a quart of water. Okay. So if I find a puddle, put it in the put it in my fucking uh, my what are the hydro flask, drop yeah. two that's like a quart, right? Drop two tablets in and shake it up, I don't know, leave it an hour, half hour, and then I can drink it. But how does it do like what does it do? That's that's crazy. I don't know. It does it says the active ingredient is tetraglycin hydro Periodide. Periodide. Yeah, no, that explains it. Yeah, okay. Okay, you tell me. What does that no, do? I'm just fucking with you. I was going to say, No, yeah, I have. That, that's sound, really interesting. You sound handy. Now, you sound now handy. I'm gonna, get in my bag. I need you to get in my bag. <laughs> get in my bag. That's going to be the running joke through the get, get in the bag. Um, in the bag. <laughs> put your face in the bag. Put your face in the bag. <laughs> Oh man, um, no, but uh, that's, that's gonna that's be a about... YouTube rabbit hole for me tonight because I, I have to know how that works. Well, I'll give you a tip. There's a you you go to Amazon on Amazon Prime. There's something called the Urban Prepper, and I, it's kind of like Netflix where there's a lot of content on Amazon that no one knows about because it's kind of bad. So somehow this guy has little 15 minute videos on Amazon Prime where he talks about his his stuff and he's got he's way more advanced but i've kind of been following his guidelines okay because because he's so he overdoes it so much he's like a dwight Schrute type guy you know yeah 
He's like, I've been... no, those are the kind of guys though you actually want in the apocalypse. You, you want the you autistic want, guys. You want, you know, to keep keep your friends close and your preppers closer, basically. This yeah. guy would be very handy. He um like on one episode, he says, Well, our office moved to a higher building last week, and I was a little stressed about that because I'm not used to going up those stairs. So each day I've made it a point to go up and down the stairs like 10 times a day. <laughs> it's like to make sure yeah, that if he, yeah. had, if he had to run out the building, like that's the stuff that didn't occur to me. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's uh, that's what I'd recommend for a... So, wait, nice... so he's he's like 9-11 training to get down those stairs really fast. Yes, exactly. Wow. Yeah. But that's, that's kind of smart though, in a way. It is because he would he's... Know. Uh, and he's like on his body, he has little pouches and like, this is my personal kit. And he has a name for it. Every, oh, ED, your ED, your everyday, uh, you have a bag for everyday carry. Your everyday carry, that's what it is. I don't remember all the terms. So he has like a, some of the stuff on him at all times. And he, but he'll slip in little lines like, my coworkers don't know everything I carry. <laughs> like, yikes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, it's like, kind of like it's kind of like this guy that I work with, Matt, uh, who's like a really sweet guy, but he he carries at work, oh and boy. so and so sometimes like I'll just be at my desk and I'll hear like click click, oh, and no. I'll be like, what what do you? And I'll look over and he'll, he's putting it down in his pants because he's gonna go get food because he's got the concealed carry, and it's just it's a little bizarre. It's like wow, yeah. Matt, Matt Matt is strapped. That's a little scary, um, but yeah the. Um... So that's the bag. I mean, there's more there's more pouches and more zippers, but, uh, you know, I don't want everybody to know everything that's in the bag, or then I won't be unique anymore. Right, right. Which, actually, we can never forget that, that people still have to find ways to be unique on social media. They sure the, do. During the they apocalypse. Sure. My God, if they didn't ever stop tweeting through it, they just kept tweeting through it. Well, we got a hint of what would happen, you know, if the if the asteroid was coming. We got, or if, you know, we got a hint of what that would look like, and nothing changes. Like there's still people promoting themselves, promoting their stuff, staying there's, on brand. They're still staying on brand, you know. They're gonna stay on brand until the fucking, you know, until it all goes up in smoke. Right, right. right. Because it's their identity is much more important than their survival. I think that's. I just want. I just want all these. I just want all the the brave female authors who I definitely read all the time to know <laughs> that if you're scared in this time, I'm here for you, uh, and that I've definitely read your book and that I think you're amazing. Well, here's the. Th this is gonna be. I, hes I hesitate to say this because, but that's always when I say the the best dumbest stuff. So there's a there's kind of a drive of people making their books free right now. The idea is that books are something that you could hunker down with, right? So I see a lot of posts and a lot of people, you know, they're doing in their minds they're doing something nice, which is here to have my book for free during this time of crisis. So why, so why does my <laughs> immediately I start to think to myself, what is different about that than when you tried to give me that piece of shit book? for nothing on Kindle, you know, five years ago when it came out, like it feels kind of opportunistic and, and also, you know, I don't know. Yeah. Is you could have just, you could have just given it away. You could have just been giving it away if it didn't act, it's like the fact that now there's this crisis, I, I, <laughs> the way that people rationalize things to themselves, I think can't be overstated here to where like they genuinely think they're doing a good thing, but well, that's yeah. what the th yeah. 
I think that there's something about the jump to do that immediately, you know, that that's just where writers' brains go. Which is funny because I, I don't. This is going to sound ridiculous, but I saw some people that made their books like 99 cents during this time of crisis, and for some reason that that's that sat well with me because it, to me it made it seem like at least you're honest about what's happening, which is right. I want to give me a dollar for my work. Also, you know, if we can rebrand it as something to put in your bug out bag, your Kindle, your bug out Kindle, I'll right. do that at the same. Somehow the 99 cents felt a little more, I don't know. It makes no sense out loud. I was just looking at it when they were popping up and I thought, of course, this is how, this is what would happen if the fucking asteroid was rolling towards us. Well, I think, I think what we have to realize, I think we have to realize is that in this time of crisis where everybody's afraid and we have to practice social distancing, that the true heroes are black women writers who have just been very brave in writing books. And we should, we should just acknowledge that. And here's your free book. And here's, here's your free the, book. And here's the free, here's my free, uh, my free deadite press novel. <laughs> It's full of it's full of the most horrific horrific scenes. For you to for you to wind down, wouldn't you like the new novel by Wrath James White? Right, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I just want to give a shout out. I just want to give a shout out to all the lady writers out there. By the way, my novel Rape Parade is free right now. If you need something to <laughs> oh, oh man. So okay. it's funny because it's true. Um it's... It's happened. Anyway, you want to talk about uncut gems? Yeah. So you know the the elephant in the room was if if people remember, people that listen to this podcast might remember that uncut gems made. Sorry, excuse me. The uncut gems trailer made the best of the year list for 2019 on our big our big show, and uh, you know some people some people around me have been saying so. Is it better than the trailer? Because that was the I, I really doubled down on that joke about saying the trailer that because the trailer was good and you don't get a lot of good trailers. You don't get a lot of trailers that leave you wanting more that yeah. but also both tell you what it's about. They don't false advertise, but they leave you wanting more. Usually they err on the side of telling you too much. Like right. the, the example I always come back to is the Prometheus trailer um, showed you the entire film and I hadn't seen one that was that. Somebody, I don't know how they did it, were just flashes of information. And you, you don't even have to slow it down because I think we're in tune with that, those sorts of edits now. To where I knew every single beat of that movie from the beginning to the end, every reveal is in that trailer. and But it would still probably be considered a good trailer. Um, Uncut Gems is also a really good trailer. And there are some beats of the movie in the trailer, but you don't, you don't get anything spoiled, and I think that you are fairly given a an idea of what's to come. And I felt satisfied when I saw it, though. You know, ironically, without knowing the whole plot, I thought it was kind of like, do I want to? Do I want to ruin this? You know, do I want to? Yeah. Yeah. I want to just kind of, you know, stay stay with my mem my idea of what uncut gems could be. So to answer the question I'm asking myself, because you didn't ask me this question. Uh -huh. uh, is it better than the trailer? Are you asking me? I'm I'm just letting that hang there. 
because uh, I don't. Oh, I hey, uh, Dave, I wasn't prepared do, to do answer. You think it's, do you think it's actually better than the trailer? I'm glad you asked that, Dave. I think it's <laughs> both better and worse than the trailer. And that's oh, not to say it's okay. I. Okay. And and I'll get to the one thing that's better in the trailer than the movie later on, but and of course everything I loved in the trailer is there times ten. I thought it was, I thought it was great. I thought it was, um, you know, it's in the it's in the fine tradition of the circling the drain movies. You know, these fucking uh-huh. dudes that are just that you just can't stop the descent. Um, some people don't like that though. Some people are very tense about that those kinds of movies, and those are people I don't trust, except for my wife who did not enjoy the experience, but then seemed to come around towards the right, end. Right. But most of the time, she was like, "Ugh, why is he doing this? Oh, why is he doing this? No." Mm-hmm. Um, but I enjoy that. I like it when people compound their problems. Yeah. Um, and the circling, the circling the drain movies. Have you seen uh, Night in the City? No. Night in the City is a uh, uh, Richard Widmark guy. Is it R- Richard? I don't remember. But it's the guy. He famously, in Kiss of Death, pushed his grandma down some stairs in a wheelchair. Um, he's, kind of, he's famous for that scene. But And uh, it was remade with Robert De Niro back in the, the late 90s. Um, and it's a, a night in the life of, I think his name was Fabian. Why do I, why do I say Fabian? Something like that, but he's he's scrambling to put together a boxing match to make a bunch of money. He's running around trying to get the poster made, trying to line up the fights. He wants to be a boxing promoter, and it's it even it has a similarity where he runs into some actual celebrities during his travels, kind of like an uncut oh, gems. Okay. Remember when he knocked on the door and he's like, "Hey, this guy was in good times," right, <laughs> which right, is right. kind of funny. Um, but yeah, and then of course at the end, gets shot by some goons because he's mm-hmm. he's a fuck up. Another one, another uh, circling the drain movie, Bad Lieutenant, both versions. Yep. You know, Kaitel's probably the the more bleak version, and that one had more clear parallels to to this movie. Like it's Kaitel's betting on baseball, right? Mm-hmm. Daryl Strawberry, yeah, yeah Daryl Strawberry. He's yelling racial slurs at Daryl Strawberry on his radio. Uh-huh. Sh- shoots his radio when he gets really mad. Um, so the sports betting angles in there, um, although boxing is in the other one too uh and the other one the, the obvious one is uh the gambler the james Conn version and the marky mark version mm-hmm. um another again he's that one's similar because marky mark and james Conn, well not james Conn, but the, the update he has uh he's a college professor in some just inscrutable college class where you don't know what he's teaching but he has a basketball player in his class, so he's trying to influence the game himself, which I think is a is an interesting new angle that Uncut Gems ran with, like mm-hmm. the idea that, like a yeah. mat, you're not just you're not just going against fate, you're not just going against the wheel of fortune, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You, you what you're trying to do is you're trying to manipulate the game, and I think that 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 puts them, I think it it makes them a little more sympathetic because they're they're not just like I I hope I'm lucky. It's I have a way to you know like to to turn the wheel of the world kind of shit you know what I mean? Uh huh. Like he's he's trying to get in uncut gems. He's holding this good luck piece, but he knows it's influencing this other guy, and so he's like he, he's like dangling it in front of him, knowing. And then when he gives it to him, he's like, now that I've got this guy on the hook, he's gonna play better, and then I can make this bet. You know what I mean? Like right, there's something right. about that that's a little more. 
apathetic or, you know, it's crazy. It's also crazy, but at least he feels like he's changing something. He's not just watching a game. Mm-hmm. He's watching his game. And I think that makes him more impressive. And a gambler, it's a, it's not a great remake, but it, he also is affecting the games as well because he's, he's fucking with his student to mm-hmm. get him to, to get him to change the outcome. Um, oh, interesting. Anyway, but yeah, man, I, uh, we didn't talk about it a whole lot because I hadn't seen it and you had, but, um, you know, is, did you guys like it? Did, uh, did Rios get stressed about it? I'm curious. Yeah, I think Rios got stressed about it. I got really stressed about it. The, the best way that I could describe my reaction to Uncut Gems was that when I left the theater, I, uh, I felt like I hated it because I, I walked uh, out. I remember, I, like, I remember you had mixed feelings. Yeah, I walked out and, um, it was a really hard feeling to describe because on the one hand, I like challenging movies. I like movies that kind of don't do exactly what I want them to do. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. But then on the other, I found it so unpleasant (laughs) that I think I tweeted something to the effect of, um, I don't know if I, that's what I want to burn. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know if I want to go into a movie and just feel bad for two hours. Um, See, but I, but here's the thing. I, I want to stick up for it as far as the feel badness because I think it felt triumphant. He dies with a smile on his face. Spoiler alert. Yeah. As soon as he wins everything and he proves everyone wrong, uh-huh. and and the guy who murders him even says, "You made your point." That's the last thing he says to him. Then he shoots him and kills him. Yeah. Um. And they zoom in on Adam Sandler is happy. He he did it. He did what he said he was going to do. I think that's enough. You know, I felt yeah. when it was over, I, I felt like, because like I said, those other movies, all those people, except for Marky Mark, I think get, they all get shot. <laughs> so every one of those people in those circling the drain movies get taken out. And even like uh, mean streets, which is clearly based on mean streets too, or Pope of Greenwich village, you know, mm-hmm. the idea of, well, I guess you could, you actually, his previous movie, good time is more based on those where you got the fuck up and the friend. <clears throat> yeah. And the, you can't keep the friend from fucking up, and then they, they get shot. Right. Um, um, so, there, so I knew he was going to get shot. I just knew it was going to happen. Well, I think, I think then I saw it a second time, right? Um, okay. And I think, uh, I think your analysis is, uh, is 100% correct. I was telling Scott Adlerberg this on the phone the other day. I was like, good, uh, not good time. Uncut Gems actually has a happy ending, right? It because, totally does. Because what would have happened? what would have happened if he hadn't gotten plugged at that moment? He would have pissed it all away. He would have gambled right. it away again until he lost. Exactly. So he exactly. actually got to go out on the high note. He actually got he to finish it out. Um, did. The, the bleakest thing they could have done is have him lose the game, then get shot. Now that's somebody. That's a movie where I would have thought, why did I watch this? <laughs> you know. But I still, I still think it would have value. I just, I thought that this, it was kind of like Whiplash has an ending like that where a lot of people are like, I don't know how to feel. I don't know how to feel. That is not what I thought. And I felt, I haven't felt that triumphant at the end of a movie when I saw Whiplash as I did like, I don't even know, like maybe Tin Cup with that fuck up ending. Like the idea of fucking up, but it's a personal triumph. I love it so much. And I think that this is a happy movie. I think it's, I think a lot of people get caught up on the him making bad choices, but if, like, if he listened to the audience that's saying, don't do it, dude, then the movie's right. over. Then he just yeah. gives, he just gives right. Bogosian his hundred grand and the movie's over. So you don't want, I don't want it to end. 
No, nobody wants to that to happen. Mistakes. And also, I but I was looking into the psychology of gamblers, right? Uh-huh. And uh, this is some kind of stuff that I actually didn't know because I actually I'm probably the opposite of a gambler. I can't gamble. Like I've played a slot machine a few times in Vegas. I've been to a few blackjack tables, but uh-huh. I I can't stand to lose money at all. Right? But and you're like if, Amy. You're like Amy. If, She's so stressed. She can't do it. If there's even a hint that I'm gonna lose money, then I don't want to do it. Right? So I don't I don't get the thrill. But um. There's a scene in Uncut Gems when he finally opens up the the, the fish, the, the frozen fish that the gem is actually hidden in. Uh-huh. He, he picks the gem up and he he goes, "I'm gonna come," right? And uh, for uh, for gamblers though, like that's actually how gambling is to them. Like to them, it's it's a thrill that is better than drugs. It's better than sex. It's better than all of that. It's just like so. He's yeah. actually kind of like. The whole movie, he's like living his best life, and then he just gamblers get really good at quote unquote picking up the pieces or you know leaving the keys or whatever because they that's part of the skill set involved in being a gambler. Does that makes sense. Right. Like, no, it makes total sense. If that's... you're a drug addict, you have to be good at hiding your track marks, and if you're a gambler, you have to be good at going to people and saying like, "Look, man, I, I'll get you the money on Monday." Yeah, you know I mean? and that's why his that's why that line is so important when. The, the guy when he's got those guys locked in that uh, vestibule and they're sweating and he's watching the game and pacing and he's yelling at the screen and then giving them a play by play and the guy says are you having fun and he says yes yes and it's even so though well he should be too it's yeah so well delivered he, yeah the way he says yes it's like it it seems of course very he genius. is yeah. of course he is he's just like in train spotting that's why train spotting was so unusual because all those characters, they weren't. They didn't show the the end of the drug abuse to where they were. They did show that too, but they also showed why they were doing it, which was you know this exploration of what it's like to really enjoy being on heroin. Right. Um, that was unusual. You ha- I hadn't seen that in a movie. So right. this also shows, I think, the enjoyment. Even though he keeps getting beat up. Yeah, when they're dangling him out the window and beating him up and stuff, <laughs> he's he likes it a little bit. Well, that, and that's, well, you have to. They have to be a masochist that, too. That yeah. that scene where he's kind of crying and his, which is a hilarious scene, by the way, when his girlfriend gets his name tattooed. I thought it was a little him. out of character too, dude. I'm glad the, you brought well, the, that up. The, well, the the crying though doesn't. I don't think he's genuinely crying. I think like, he's, he wants her back or her help. Yeah, I don't. I it it doesn't seem real, and I think Sandler's a good enough actor to. If he was going to play it as a real crying scene, he probably would have done it more subtly. The fact that it's so over the top, I think he's, I think he's playing it. And then you'll notice at the end of that scene, there's a, uh, I think Kevin Garnett walks in and he's immediately like, back. Yeah. I think, I think he's doing a dance with her in that scene. I don't, I don't think that's, yeah. I don't think that's meant to be taken as him. Well, it goes to How would he break down? He's having the most fun. Yeah, it goes. It, it goes to your thesis. Uh, that leads me to the one thing that I think was worse than, than in the trailer, uh-huh. and that's I think I hate to say it because I I think Punch Drunk Love is not just his best performance, but one of the best performances I've seen of that type of like rage filled nerd goofball. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I thought, and there's something about Sandler that really plays to that. I thought his performance was just good. It yeah. wasn't – I thought I didn't think it was amazing, and I think what happened is he does this sort of thing. It's kind of like his little Nicky 
Billy Madison thing, you know, where he's like talking through his teeth. He's kind of yeah. talking, talking through his teeth and he, cause he's laughing. Cause it's like, I can't believe I'm in this situation. And it makes me think he, he can't believe he's in the movie rather than, you know what I mean? Okay. Like he's, it's kind of this, I, I can't believe it. Uh, you're just going to have to trust me on this guy. And right. something about that, like there's one layer below that, that PT Anderson got to in punch drunk love. Yeah. That we've we haven't seen before or since. I mean, some people might say you can see it in that other movie he did where he's it's like the Fisher King ripoff where he's uh, with fucking Don Cheadle. Uh -huh. He's okay. And it was not Spanglish. I'm thinking that I don't know what it's called. No, no, but no, no, no. It's I know the one you're trying to say. It's it's a guy's name is the name of the movie. Rain over rain over me. That's what I'm thinking of. Oh, you're no. thinking of, well, it's the one you're thinking of a different movie. Oh, okay, I don't Sorry. know. But yeah, he's that's where he's obsessed with the the game. Uh, Shadow of the Colossus, but he—that's where they. When you get past that, that sort of self-consciousness, I think that's happening there. It's still good because I could see that character as being that, you know. Like I was, the movie does a really good job of tapping into what makes these sort of guys, yeah. these sort of, these sort of guys kind of like not quite tough guys, but you can't. There's nothing you can do but with fearless. Them. Fearless. Yeah, it's yeah. fearless. It's, that's it's that's why the, the that's why the goons get so frustrated to the right, point where he can't. just shoots him because you can't you can dangle him out a window and he and hold a gun to his head and he'll sure. just be like I can't do it like I, just, just, I can't you know and that's one hundred percent what happens in Mean Streets with the De Niro character Johnny is they can't get him to pay up they can't like how many times can they make can you make the bad guy look stupid right. and finally that's the the brilliant scene in that. If you ever watch Mean Streets, at the end of it, the guy can't, has had enough. It's similar to this movie. He shows up at the bar and he's like, "Johnny, you're going around, you're give, you're you're buying everybody drinks. That's my money." And he's like, "And De Niro, you're waiting for him to just finally just give it to him or just run or do something." And he just starts laughing. He's like, "You know what? I can't believe that you're so fucking stupid that you keep giving me money." And he can't he can't help himself. <laughs> and he finally just unloads. He's like, "Are you some kind of fucking idiot?" And this guy's like, I can't believe he's saying this. And it's the big moment of the movie where he just what's always on everybody's mind is like the the power has been the power struggle is not what you think it is. The goon is beholden to the other guy. The goon can't stop chasing him around and sweating. And like, would you just please give me the money so I can maintain my identity as as this fucking loan shark? Yeah. And it's and like guy, when you run into that person, that brick wall of a person who just won't yes. do it. Like, what do you do? do it. You won't do it. It's a great trifecta of guys. Like I was calling it the, uh, it's like the, the, the tough Jew hat trick. You've got Eric yeah. Bogosian, you've got Adam Sandler, but and Adam Sandler, not just Adam Sandler, but like with designer jewelry and glasses and like yeah. club club shirts and getting bloody noses. And, and then the you've dad. got, the, yeah. And you've got the last scene in independence day. Yeah. Um, He's a, uh, he's the, you know, the fucking Judd Hirsch from uh, from Taxi. You know, he's been Judd Hirsch has been fast talking in my head since watching Taxi, like in the seventies. You know, yeah, he's I love the way he talks, like, dude. I know, and he's great. And he, when he's when he's like, I told you this was gonna happen. Yeah. yeah, <laughs> but he's, yeah. He, and he knows it's gonna be. And he's like, and you're now you're gonna pay me what? And you're gonna do this? And there's yeah. a great shot. I you know that the these guys knew who they were dealing with. They knew that they had this trifecta of guys. And they get a shot of them all together when they're the kids are looking. It must be some ritual where kids look for a, 
they look for an Easter egg kind of deal or whatever, but it's obviously not an Easter egg because it's like uh-huh. uh, Passover or something. Sure. And all, all three of those guys are in the same room together. And there's just a great shot of <laughs> there's so much going on. Like the, the dad has just said he hates it that Eric Bogosian has married his daughter because he's an outsider and he's obviously yeah. he's, a, he's an organized crime. And at the same time, Adam Sandler's trying to impress the dad because he's got him on the hook later. He's trying to impress him with the uh, with the, the auction for that rock. But it, and so to, he can't help but say it in front of the goon. And the goon's like looking at him and lighting his cigarette like, you fucking idiot. Like yeah. you, you're you telling he me. Used, like, he used his money to buy that gem. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's looking at and it. He, and, he's just, and he's just saying it. I also, by the way, I just want to point out, I love that you referred to a Jewish holiday tradition as a ritual. That was uh, <laughs> it. Just felt it just felt funny. It's like you know, it's like opening presents on Christmas. This strange ritual that we do. <laughs> it was well, whatever. The kid was looking for something. I don't know, and he found it and they congratulated him. Just messing with you. It was, it was, it was, these are sens- these are sensitive times. Uh, oh, okay. Like, hey, well, man, relax, relax, listen, dude. Listen, but hey, hey, I, 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 go, I, I will go toe to toe with anybody who thinks that I am not. I don't have a, a crush on Eric Bogosian, Judd Hirsch, and Adam Sandler. Well, and Adam Sandler. I, I, I thought you were about to say like films. I will fight anybody who thinks that I'm anti-Semitic. I will punch <laughs> you in the face. <laughs> no, I'm just messing with you, dude. But I was talking to Scott again, our, our mutual friend Scott Adlerberg, who lives in Brooklyn and is Jewish. Um, that Adam Sandler essentially just nailed that guy, like nailed that character perfectly. So there's a bunch. There's a bunch of Adam Sandlers running amok down there. Yeah, basically, basically so. Yeah. So like, the, what is that type? Is that like the the like flashy, motor mouth? Flashy motor mouth. Yeah, kind of just like all business basically, which <clears> it's like. It's hard for me to kind of like wrap my head around because I don't know if I'm actually obsessed with anything like that. You know, like these guys wake up and they they have um, business and affairs and stuff and they're just like constantly dealing with shit and that's so far removed from my life where yeah, he complicates I just don't care about his, anything. He, he he purposely complicated every aspect of his life. Like even he couldn't even do he couldn't even take his son to his apartment to take a shit without complicating it in a series of lies, <laughs> you know, right, like, right. and it's because he's always trying to stay one step ahead of what he's already done to, to make his life a problem. But, um, what about, uh, something I thought was interesting. He's also, he has all these little side hustles and when they start to fall apart, it reveals a lot of stuff. Like, um, the guy, there were those kind of like Weasley little dudes that like, lower level loan sharks that kept coming around like hey man you got to talk to us and he's like fuck off he right. won't even you won't even deal with the, that level of of gangster that he owes uh-huh. um, or whoever they were and but there's a quick line that reveals that the watch he gave him which was the watch that belonged to your guy from uh from uh sorry don't bother you what's the name of that your your favorite Le- movie Le- lucky stanfield sorry to bother you sorry to bother you that guy has been peddling fake watches the whole time. I didn't realize that. Right. Like it changes a lot because that guy, he's his job is to bring people in to for him to sell him these uh, fallen off the truck watches and shirts. I guess silk shirts, uh, uh, which he uses as currency to build up towards his bets, which then he makes the bets, and then it's like a there's so many layers of lower level scams. But I thought that was a great little detail. The fact that all along he's been that guy stops by and lets him put those watches in the safe, but Adam Sandler, you know, takes him out the back door 
and pawns them or gives them to people as favors to get money to make these bets. And then he doesn't even, he can't even see to the end of it where, what are you going to do when this guy wants his watches back? You've given them all away. And it yeah. turns out they're, they're fake anyway. It's, it's all, it's a lot of fun. And there was a lot of, uh, it reminded me of in killing Zoe when uh, the main villain, <clears throat> he, he knows that the police are outside and that they've been caught already but uh, Eric Stoltz doesn't know this. And so he keeps Eric Stoltz working on getting into the safe. And then he gets into the safe and they get the big, the big dolly full of gold bricks. And, and the, the guy's name's Eric and Eric's rolling the bricks. And he's like, so um, what now? And he's like, you know, I don't know. And he says, the police are outside. And he's like, what are you, what, what do you mean? And, he, and you can tell that the bad guy thinks that he won because he got the gold in his hands. And that's all, that's as far from, that's as forward to thinking as he was that the fact that the police are coming or the fact and the fact that Adam Sandler owes all these other people with no hope of ever giving them back their property, let alone their money. It's like, he doesn't even see that. He doesn't even think that far ahead, you know, to him, right. it's just all these pieces that have to be maneuvered all day, every day. Right. Uh, and I, and I thought that shit was fun real quick. The one thing I did not guess correctly, I knew he was going to die. I totally thought they were setting it up that one of those little wormy guys was going to kill him. That that's why they were so they were yeah, so unassuming yeah. and they were always kind of popping up like, "Hey, can I talk to you a second? He's like, "Get out of here! Don't let him in." And I thought that guy, one of those guys, is going to snap and just kill him because that's that that's that tradition of the little unassuming dude, you know, who pops up in the last in the last act, you know. Right. I wonder like, if that was in an earlier draft of the script. I'm convinced. That, yeah. I'm convinced. Yeah. It has to be because. I mean, it just, otherwise they don't, the only purpose they serve is to reveal that those are fake watches. Otherwise they just, they don't serve any purpose. Like, do you remember, Car you saw Carlito's Way? Yeah. Another great circling the drain movie. And you've got, uh, uh, what's his name, John Leguizamo or whatever. Uh, he, I'm Benny Blanco from the Bronx. Yeah. He's the, he's the, the, the lower level up and coming gang lord who, uh, you know, Pacino gives him the high hat when they're having dinner and he's like, Hey, go snatch a purse. I don't got to be nice to you. Fuck off. Mm -hmm. And Benny Blanco pops up in the final seconds at the train. He's like, remember me? I'm Benny yeah. Blanco from the Bronx. And just enough time for the, the audience to catch up and say, Oh, the guy you were mean to in the first act, right. you know, check, check off's goon. Um, right. I like that. I check off's goon. That's good. I was so convinced he was going to do that in this movie. And, um, or at least <laughs> one of them, one of those funny looking guys, but, uh, so, yeah. yeah, but I'm glad he gave it to the to the hitman though, because that guy was kind of scary. Like he did well, have just kind of like he picked good goons, I think. Plus, because they, uh, they look like goons. They're ugly. They're dumb. Right. They, like, and they they're just, they're just kind of like big mules, you know. And I got a second watch out of it because uh, uh, Amy didn't finish the first night, and then she went back to it. So I just said, I'm gonna watch it again. I liked it that much, and. Uh, Watching it a second time, I I knew that that guy was going to kill him. So my eye, my eyes were on that guy a lot more, and he is a long suffering toady, man. Like yeah. Sand Sandler is slapping him all the time. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. like and and whenever that guy tries to say something, he's like, just shut the fuck up. I'm talking to this other guy. Like he mm -hmm. nonstop disrespect and frustration. So they do kind of plant the seed that that guy. How much can that guy take? As right as the enforcer that's just not being respected. He's nobody gives him any respect. So it is there. It is there that that guy would be the one to finally just lose his shit. Um, but I still think the little guy might be on a previous version of it. Um, yeah. That would make sense. 
I you want to talk it, about some bad takes on this movie? Uh, you showed me a bad take on this movie. Well, it's uh, the people people that don't want to watch a stressful movie. I think are the ones that are there's a there's a good test of this. If you if you're going to be one of the people that's like Uncle Jones sucks, I don't think that that is even a valid criticism. Uh, people right. can have their opinion, fine, but to say that this that what arguably is the best American film of 2019 just sucks wow damn i you i did qualify that the best american film of 2019 mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. if you think about it you've got great performances you've yeah. got uh, amazing synth score which is tough to pull off in this post stranger things synth overload you know nostalgia fest the synth score does not sound like a nostalgia fest um, even though somebody pointed out to me that this movie is a period piece, it's a 2012 period piece. It is, it is. and it's and it's very good for that. It's got Isn't the it? weekend in it as a character. <laughs> I know it's like, great. I loved that. I could not get enough of the 2012 and how fucking well they nailed it. Because bro, remember, been... it's eight years ago now. I like, know, but isn't that weird that that's yeah, a it is fucking weird. But they nailed it. Everyone's wearing like Echo, and you know, like they have all this kind of so. Um, I got a but bad yeah. take here. I got a bad well, take here. Well, real quick before you say it, I just want to finish that thought that a good test for the people that want to say that are are they the person that would watch that scene at the or like a third of the way through the movie, the guy brings the rock back, the basketball player, and he's stuck in the door and they can't get the door open. And you know that if you can just get the door th- or the rock through the door, that it'll at least solve the problem that's been introduced. And so for about three solid minutes, the director makes you suffer through them trying to get a door open and people on the other side of the glass, which is perfect foreshadowing for what happens later. But in that moment, a lot of people turn on that movie. A lot of people say, fuck this. Like they, cause they're like, I can't open the, just do the, can you hold the thing? I'm hitting the button. And the guy's like, you dude, they're not, (laughs) let me out of here. Let us out of here. Like if you, if that is something that you don't want to watch, and I think it's valid that some people don't want to watch that, then you don't want to watch the movie. That's the test that should be administered. But if you watch, if you don't like that relentlessness and you still sit through it, I don't think you should be able to be allowed to say it sucks. That's what I want to say. All right, so here's here's the here's the post from Jeff Vandermeer. Oh boy, everybody's everybody's favorite fucking online dipshit. Um, <laughs> oh jeez, <laughs> I'm all in on I'm all in on on the on the Vandermeer hate train, dude. Um, so it's almost like somebody's sending you screenshots. But go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> I, I unfriended the dude, and somehow I still keep getting these fucking. Oh um, no. So here's his take: Is this a good time to tell you Uncut Gems is a steaming pile? Down to the horrible synthesizer soundtrack, what? the pretentious attempt to link the movie to geopolitical situations, never have I cared less about characters in a movie. Is it fairly well edited and acted? Yes, but it doesn't matter. Hold on, I'm not done. Here are, the, here are the, his fucking toadies responses, right? Uh, never a bad time to trash on that movie, but the music is great. It's just used horribly. Terrible sound mixing. This from uh, somebody who uh, well, do you know about sound mixing? I hate it when people start to talk about the technical aspects of movies, and it's like, if you're such a fucking technical genius, then why aren't you doing it, right? Like, well, the the argument falls apart because, like, 
as soon as you say, is it well-directed and acted? Yes. That's all I need to know. <laughs> you know what I mean? Isn't, isn't that enough? Like, how can a movie be bad if it's well-acted and directed? I think it's because people don't want to see, quote, unsympathetic characters or whatever. Um, but again, like, that's... I don't know why anybody would... This is what it reminds me of. Back in Back in grad school, I had a teacher who stopped one of our workshops to say... All I know is that if you're not working to make this world a better place with your writing, then you might be wasting your time. And I thought to myself, I've never disagreed with something more. Right. That this movie certainly is not trying to make the world a better place. And it right. might be considered by some an exhausting exercise in nihilism. All those things are valid, though. All those things should exist. Right. Like, and, and I think that I think Vandermeer has to be smart enough to know that. I think that he just didn't like it, and that's fine. Yeah. That's fine. But to say that right. why – I try not to do that. I try not to say what it is. I try to say yeah. Yeah. what I think of it. No, exactly, and that, that's, that's exactly the problem is that people try to apply these objective critiques, and they always fall apart. I, w I just want to – a few other ones real quick. Another toady says, as I tried to warn people at its core – it's it still an Adam Sandler flick, which you are an absolute moron. Go fucking die. Like you're I mean, stupid. Th that's like, like, are they pretending punch Dark love doesn't exist? Right. Also that, that movie is arguably more Adam Sandler. -y. Like right. that, that's what was so brilliant about it is somebody it looked like an actual good Adam Sandler. Like yeah, Adam like, Sandler movie. It's like he looked at this dude looked at Little Nicky or something. Or something. No, 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 like the, you, no, no. Did you listen to that podcast? No, it's really what? funny that you mentioned that um, no, because what, what, in a podcast, pod? it was a podcast between Paul Thomas Anderson and the Safdie brothers, and they really? were talking about working with Adam Sandler, and Paul Thomas Anderson at a certain point tells the story of how he found Adam Sandler for Punch Drunk Love, and it was on the set. So he went to the set of Little Nicky. Really? In, and here's where the story gets really funny. He bumps into Quentin Tarantino on the same set because Tarantino is also looking for Adam Sandler because he wants him to play Eli Roth's character, the Bear Jew, in Inglorious Bastards. Which he should have. We've been so, we've talked about that. Like that would have made that part perfect. Yeah. So they were both, but they were both trying to woo Adam Sandler <laughs> on the set of Little Nicky for these two amazing movies. <laughs> Right? And he had, he had to choose between them. Anyway, so another comment. I got 20 minutes in and gave up. I found the dialogue annoying, and the characters just seemed to talk over each other. Yeah, that's the point. Again, absolute dipshit. And then they're describing they just described the entire career of Robert Altman. Like, right. if you don't if you don't like overlapping dialogue, you don't like movies. But go ahead. And then Vandermeer says, "Yeah, it was very quote unquote hip." And this enraged me. This is the person who had Annihilation, which was turned into a movie, which is like. One of the hipper movies I've seen, one of the trippier, hipper movies that, that does all these quote-unquote hip things with, with sound and synth. Like, he's complaining about all these things that, like, happened in the movie that was made about him. Does that make sense? Yeah. I, it's, I mean, the, there's the attempt to justify why something is something rather than that you didn't like it is right. not a journey anyone should take. Mm -hmm. um, I do the same thing. I, I, I've done it before, and I'll do it again probably because I'm a big hypocrite. Um, but I, I, I just think that for anybody to look at this movie and dismiss it so easily, especially dismiss up-and-coming 
hungry young filmmakers that are making new stuff that's not a fucking franchise yeah. that I think that like what do you want man what do you want because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I know it's not inspirational and that seems to be at the base of this that I um, it was something that was stressing him out you know that right. and, and that well, that's the same fine. reason and, I didn't like it when I first walked out of it but even like me because I'm a smart good boy who has good opinions I got out of it and I said I didn't like the experience but I'm not willing to dismiss the film right like I need to think about it a little bit and I had a lot of conversations with people like Jordan and Scott and you know other people who had seen it and I the whole time I was the point that I was trying to get across was that I did not enjoy the experience but I See, felt I felt like more alive when I left the movie theater does that make sense for sure I I actually de-stressed while watching it for the same reason I watch uh, fail videos and people just fucking eating it on in violent ways. It, it actually de-stresses me. The same reason I listen to Strapping Young Lad when I'm trying to fall asleep. When I yeah. these these things these things calm me down. And there's actually a moment in that movie that's right out of the days of playing Grand Theft Auto and putting on like Mr. Mr. Broken Wings, just driving around for a half hour, where he's where he's cruising around. He's cruising around listening to Billy Joel. And it kind of does a slow zoom on him. That is a very soothing meditative moment, where he's he, his de- his kid's got to take a shit. His wife is you know harassing him, and he's just and the strangers getting louder and louder and louder. You know, his lyrics about wearing masks, and that's a very contemplative moment. So those moments are in there if you dig deep enough. You know, yeah. yeah. Um, but, but again, trying to do this kind of thing where you say like, oh, the reason I I can't. If you ever want to see me just like get enraged, if you want, like when people say things were poorly written, it it drives me crazy because it's like you you don't know what you're talking about. You're not a writer. You're not even a good writer. And I'm not saying this about Vandermeer, right? Vandermeer didn't say this. One of his toadies did. Because right. I, I don't. I actually don't think Vandermeer is a bad writer. But like, um, well, anyway, um. But like, yeah, the, the attempt but when, to... but when some kind of like fan who watches Rick and Morty all day and like <laughs> pushes cards at Costco says this was bad writing, you don't know what you're talking about. Right. It's the same time people are like when people say uh, Tarantino's a hack. It's like that's not what a hack is. Even if you don't like him, that's not what a hack is. You know, or I, I don't know. It, Brett Ratner's a hack. Right. Brett Ratner's a hack. Is is he though? Is that what that means? Because I don't think that you know what that means. You know what right. I mean? But I want to touch on this a little bit too. The the fact that I think I think we're kind of burying the lead here. This movie opens with a camera literally up Adam Sandler's ass. Right. Yeah. Which that, I love. I think the, that the, the beginning made me feel kind of sick, and I knew I was in for it. As somebody who loves Gaspar No movies, I was like, <laughs> I feel sick at the end of this opening with all the like flying through the clouds and stuff. I was like. I actually, this is, I'm going to admit this on the pod, and I'm not proud of it. I actually put my head down for like 30 seconds because I felt nauseous <laughs> watching it in the theater. But I was like, all right, cool. I'm in, I'm, I'm in for something. You're in for something. I mean, the, I think that they're kind of, you know, they're giving away their hand. They're telling you what you're going to be doing, which is spending some time up his ass. But also, I think that there's, there's you know, we talked about the tradition of movies with the, uh, Traditions of gamblers uh, that are, you know, masochistic, um, 
And like I was going to say this earlier, you know, you're talking about they have to like they like the energy of losing or the energy of uh, the risk. And there's sort of they like to lose, too. Yeah, you were right the first time. Yeah. Yeah. I think that if you watch uh, the gambler, even the the James Conn and Mar- even the Marky Mark remake, it has him looking vaguely orgasmic when he loses all his money over and over again. And he seems to be, that's what he's not just going from win to win. I think that that movie pushed that argument to the end, which is maybe these guys like to lose. They do. And it's been, it's been covered in books before too, dude, where it's like, um, if there was, if you went to a slot machine and you pulled it and you won every single time, gamblers would actually not be interested in that. Because right. what they're actually addicted to is losing, right? Like, <laughs> right. and and it's it's a weird reverse psychology, but it's 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 a hyper narcissistic addiction, basically. And there's something going on in their brain that that's there's something's firing when they lose. That's that then they want it again and again. But but speaking of speaking of brains and speaking of traditions, um, the same way this has all this is speaking to previous films in a lot of ways. It's also speaking to the tradition of these opening scenes where a camera is zooming around through the neurons, you know, like in Fight Club. Fight Club, Fight Club does it, you know, and you see it and then it, and then it zooms in on a like a what is it like office trash or something. Um, X Men, the movie X Men does it. It's showing all the mutations of the cells. Um, we talked about uh-huh. Prometheus earlier. Prometheus does it. Um, so I love how this. You know, in the tradition of going zooming through all these things, it zooms through the opal, you know, and it kind of, uh, and it and it kind of like shows that as a universe, you know, and then it, and then it's uh, they find out, oh, look at this, we're we're actually up his ass during a colonoscopy, right. and then, uh, and then later in the movie, um, you know, they 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 keep coming back to that imagery when people look into the opal, they're also looking into the cosmic asshole again or whatever, <laughs> and then at the end when he gets shot. Um, it, it zooms into the hole, the bullet hole in his face. The bullet hole, yeah. And it, and then it goes back to the stars. But um, and all those things, you know, it seems like it's a pretty obvious kind of. Uh, you might say it's a little pretentious that sort of imagery, and it's a clear through line. But there's something in the middle that I think. Uh, this is a theory I have about it. Do you remember when he's, he's at the club and he attacks the weekend for being in the bathroom with his girlfriend. They're drag they're dragging him out and they drag him out through a very conspicuously looking colonoscopy neon butthole hallway where it's a series of of pink ridges and they're pulling him backwards and he's flipping the camera off and he's like fuck right. you and it's that same sort of tunnel that w- uh. that we saw earlier and um, I haven't quite formulated it but I think that if you think of that as his rebirth. Because as you know, human beings are born through assholes. If right. you were, if you look at it as like a rebirth, it's also how girls pee. Of course, yeah. I think that Sandler kind of steps up his self-destructiveness or is reborn towards this taking more chances towards success. But I got to map it out. But I I feel like that's a pivotal moment. There's no reason why they wouldn't have constructed or found something that looks a lot like a neon asshole and then dragged him through it. Uh. Uh-huh. And then, and then dragged him through it after you have the the movie bookended with that same imagery. But I, I have to, I'll need more funding to finish my research. <laughs> so do, <laughs> donate to the Venmo, David James Keaton at yeah. Gmail. Yes, Just uh, send him five bucks here and there, so that he can afford snacks to watch the movie over yes. and over again. Yeah. Please do, please do. <laughs> I appreciate it. 
Speaking of bodily functions, what do you think of the theory? Um, somebody was saying somebody was saying that the uncut gems name has something to do with like uncut, you know, like circumcision, like uncut. I know, I, I, that, I made that, the I made the joke about is, uh, being, if I wasn't if I wasn't circumcised, my name would be Uncut James, right? <laughs> is that? And if I think I'm not sure if the directors themselves made that joke or if. Mm -hmm. Somebody referred to it, but I don't see the, how that works. Maybe like there's, I don't, I don't know. It's I, just kind of a cool title. I think it just works aesthetically. I think it just works. I don't think it's a penis reference so much as it's I like. I guess it would make sense if it was, but I don't see a lot of. They named it. I mean, they've been working on this movie for ten years, and it's been called Uncut Gems for ten years. You know, like I don't. Maybe think I, so I might be overthinking it. I mean, literally, it's an uncut gem in the movie, but it's there is a lot of. Um, I don't want to say rituals because you'll jump on me again, but aren't there a lot of rituals in this movie? There's a lot of these strange Jew rituals where they put on funny hats and say weird words. I don't. Do the, yeah, and there's... I don't know if I trust it. <laughs> Keaton's I... review of it is like it's good except for all the weird Jewish rituals that happen in the movie. That is the opposite of what I said. <laughs> bring on, bring on those weird rituals. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Jewish people are like, are you talking about Passover? It's like, yeah, those kooky rituals. You well, you do. you can't tell me that that's not how that's not what they're trying to do when they're when they're reading the list of of uh, you know horrible things that they that could happen or whatever. And he's touching oh, dude, that scene rocks so hard. It's so good. It's so good. And he's doing and they're doing that. They're they're making it seem like a. I'm not even gonna say the words anymore. But they're making it seem scary. They're making yeah, it I, seem. <laughs> they're making it seem scary. <laughs> oh man, uh, California has really changed you, man. Jeez, oh, I'm sticking up for it. Eric Bogosian, dude. I cannot get enough of that guy. I'm so glad he's back. Last yeah. I saw him was in like Blade Three. He was a talking head on the TV, but talk radio is. I come back to that movie way too much, way too. Much. <laughs> yeah, and that's him. Not only is he in every scene, but it's the camera's like an inch away from his nose for an hour. Well, he and a used half. to be like hot shit in like the late '80s, right? Yeah, he did that whole the whole talk radio play. He was a one man play basically. Mm -hmm. um, he did uh, uh, sex, drugs, and rock and roll was another one man play. You know, he would get on stage and just fill it with rants and words, and you know, he was like a he was kind of a Lenny Bruce. Basically. I don't know if you saw this, but. Uh... On Saturday Night Live, when Sandler was on Saturday Night Live, he did a skit where he was in a boxing ring and he was he was fighting Eric Bogosian. <laughs> so he actually played him in an SNL skit in like 1990, I think. So that's a little bit of trivia for you. That's that's awesome. I I actually like Eric Bogosian so much that I, in a way, I imagine that he's a friend of mine. Is that oh, weird? Okay, cool. Is yeah. that weird? You know, like I. Sometimes I can see us having conversations, and they're and they're real fast. They're real fast conversations, and they're a little yeah. scary. They're a little scary. That's dope. That's dope. Um, well, I think this one went off the rails a little, but uh, <laughs> maybe it was a good. Bit. It was I good. You can hang it up. I'll put a. I'll put my name on that. Yeah, yeah, I'm fine with it. Zip okay it up. It. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's what? I'll I'll just I'll throw it up. What's the worst? Throw it up. We can put it put it in a bag. At this point, I'm getting really comfortable with podcasting, actually, because I used to get really kind of scared 
when I would like make fun of, I don't know, Chuck Wendig or Jeff Vandermeer, I'd be like, oh. But then I found out that like none of them listen to this, and so so far nobody has tattled to them. This will be the first one. This will be the first one where they they track you down and they knock on your door. (laughs) Now I'm just like, oh, it's fine. I can just just say whatever. But but it's fine. Neither of them can beat me up, so I'm I'm okay with it. As far as you know. As far as I know, are are they? Are they're not big guys, are they? They're not big old guys. Oh, I think Vandermeer goes to the gym. Talks about being at the gym. Oh, I would fuck him up. (laughs) (laughs) I would absolutely fuck him up. I think it would, I think it would be kind of like the, uh, you'd have to do it like, like the Adam Sandler fights Eric Bogosian skit on SNL, uh, whatever that the way I picture that is, you'd kind of have to become him to fight him. Yeah. Okay. If that's so the way I have to be like, I have to be like, uh, this is my bird <laughs> no, friend. No, no, no. I I no. care about the birds. <laughs> oh, yeah, I still have glass windows all over my apartment. Oh my birds. My birds! I'd have to be kind of like that. Kind of like that? It hurts. <laughs> what a fucking dipshit. Well, we've had a good laugh, folks. That, that uh, was a lot. It was a lot. I hope, <laughs> hope you enjoyed that one. Um, I hope I'm never up for like a writing gig, <laughs> and, and like Vandermeer's involved in any way, shape, or form because I will be excommunicado. But, uh, oh, my birds, my birds! <laughs> Just stop raking your leaves. You fuck, chips make me nauseous. <laughs> This guy screams about how gifs make him nauseous to people, and I'm just like, bro, they get off the internet. Yeah, but he was specific. He doesn't like this. Reminds me of this Tyler the Creator tweet where it's like, it's like, how can you be cyberbullied? It's like, just close your eyes. (laughs) Well, he doesn't like uncut gifs. (laughs) Oh my god. It makes me nauseous. And please, if you're in one of my rooms, please don't take. With a shutter click because it distracts me from my reading. You're you kind of taking a Woody Allen uh, shtick to your to your invitation. Maybe, maybe that's maybe that's what he sounds like. Uh, Oof. I was just well, actually, I was just trying to make him seem uh, dorky and emasculated. But you associate that with Jewish people. Oh, jeez. Oh, we are off. We are definitely off the rails at this point. I'm, I'm going to cut it way early. <laughs> definitely cut it way early. <laughs> tumbling down and we're tumbling and ca- catching on fire. I'm probably going to cut it after I make fun of him for liking birds. <laughs> My birds! My, My birds! <laughs> oh, it's the best. Yeah, the but I have glass windows. <laughs> but I still have glass windows. Why do these birds? That video, dude, of him fucking just like of those, fucking those recording of those... birds, and him just being like, "Come on, little buddy, keep you can you can you can, you can make it." <laughs> oh my. Oh.
the piss out.